Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 170. Hi. Hi. I, I always try to think of something clever to say after you say the number, and I'm like, no, it's always going to sound stupid. So, awkward pause. Hello. Hello. How are you? How is your week? Oh, you know what? My week has been pretty standard. I don't. I have nothing to report and nothing to complain about, if we're being That's honest. Great. How, let me ask you, was red clay? It was so much fun. We had oh, I love it. Yeah, everything went smoothly. All the shows were great. All of the comedians were amazing, and yeah. we had a super fun eighties, um, nineties dance party. Uh, oh man, after- what was like the what was the song that got everybody out on the dance floor? Oh man, you know every song was. It's a uh, band here in Atlanta. If you have, they travel, so if you never need to hire them, but it's called uh, Forever Young is the name of yeah, the band. That's a so it was a name. live band, and it was so fun. I mean, I I can't remember what song. Like it's, it's like as soon as the music started, everybody started dancing. But yeah. I remember distinctly when they started singing. Um, simply the best by Tina Turner and like oh. Storm Artiste like ran out <laughs> and uh, like Storm. Storm. And so it was just, That's awesome. Uh, yeah, she's amazing. And so it was. Um, it just was so much fun, and everybody had a blast. Um, but yeah, like the whole festival. Um, Ashley Hesseltine was amazing. Joel Kim Booster was amazing. Sasha Zameda was. All of the podcast Cheaties was hilarious. Awesome. Um, it was during the day, and they had um, Ashley and Sean Patton oh, uh, perfect. as their guests, and it was just hilarious. So everything was great. Um, I'm just real, like, real, real happy. Yeah. To close the book. On that <laughs> year, that's awesome. And so you're going right back at it. You have a, a meeting tonight, right? <laughs> Already, no, about we next actually year. do. No, yeah, and no, it's like a recap meeting. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. he better keep it short. <laughs> I don't have the capacity anymore. No, no, oh, it's like I was, was telling you fun. that about um, about how I was feeling about stand up after all of like getting ready for my album and doing and you know, promoting it, being on the road, and then all of the things. Like, now I have just a couple of shows left for the rest of the year. And every time I'm like, a show. Like, not that I'm angry at shows I'm doing. I'm, I'm giving it my all, you guys. But I feel like it's like when you are looking at a house. When you're looking for a house and you're going to buy a house, all you can do, all you do is look at houses. Yeah. Like you look at houses 24-7. Like, you're, you know, you're like flipping through Redfin, just looking for those houses. Is somebody going to pop out? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And then you buy a house and the minute you buy a house, you cannot look at another house. Like, it's like you, you couldn't pay me to look at a house. Like, that's how I feel about stand-up right now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm yeah. sure that's how you feel about Red Clay where you're like, I can't think about red clay right now i can't even oh yeah <laughs> on the last night on that sunday night after like ashley Hesseltine show 
And um, there was like one more show, Joel Kimbucha. I was, and um, a lot of comics came out to watch the show. Yeah. Um, and everybody was talking to me, and I just stared at them blankly, like I can't even like <laughs> register the words you're saying to me right now. I ended up leaving a little bit early so I could go home and pass out, just because yeah. I was completely useless <laughs> at that point. Isn't that amazing? Where it's like you can tell that you like your your brain is there. But you're yeah. like, I, I'm, I literally can't process anything else. Like, yeah. I can't have another conversation. Like, it's so amazing. It's like, no matter what I do, I cannot will myself to get past this. There's nothing except for sleep that is going to help. I know. And it did. I slept like a baby and I woke up feeling like a brand new person. But yeah, I just needed that <laughs> festival over sleep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you got so, it. Well, congratulations. Thanks, man. I'm so proud oh, of you. Oh, and thank you. Like, Sally, you guys, Sally sent me a gift card to, like, my favorite restaurant in Atlanta, which is Del Bar. It's delicious. She sent me a gift card in the middle of the festival. Just, just because Jen's been working I was, so hard. I'm so I, proud of her. this friend. She's an amazing <laughs> human being. Yep. That's the only reason I did it, so that you would acknowledge me on the podcast and everybody will know that I'm the nice yeah. one. <laughs> and then I would take you out to Del Bar. I just gave it to dinner. you because I was like, when are we fucking going to dinner, dude? I know. <laughs> I Basically, I gave you an obligation. <laughs> I was like, you have to go to dinner with me. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. Don't threaten me with a good time, Sally. I won't. That's where we had our holiday party last year. I know. And it was delicious. It was delicious. We'll it was do it pretty again. amazing. Um, well, you guys, this is uh, – so here's – we have an announcement. Uh, we have an announcement. Drum roll, please. Um, this is going to be our last episode of the year. We um, – I mean, I'm sure you guys have noticed we've been pretty sporadic with our uh, posting and our, our episodes – um, just for, we've just been so busy. We've been so busy and we know that the rest of the year is just going to be a blur for us and it's going to be a blur for you guys because the holidays. And so we're just going to go ahead and call it now <laughs> and say we're going to take the time off um, because we have some big plans for the podcast and we want some time to kind of really uh, make sure we know what we want to do and get everything in line. I think you guys are really going to hopefully be excited about it as, as much as we are. So um, we're just going to take this time to like spend time with our families and um, and also kind of reconfigure and figure out what we're going to do. Regroup, you know? Regroup. Regroup is the right word. Group. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot. I like that. I just wanted to mention, you know, in our last episode, we talked about fairy porn. Oh, fairy yeah. Porn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, well, um, we've got a lot of messages about it. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're <laughs> I'm not off all this, on Instagram I'm off anymore. all the social media. I'm you off all social media right it. now. So. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of messages about it, and there's a lot of fans of this book. What is it called again? Um, a Court, Court of, of Thorns. Th- Thorn and Roses, I think. Oh, okay. Something like that, yeah. A lot of people are super into it and let us know, but um, Haley Instagram uh, 4 on Instagram sent me a yeah. picture of her texting her friend that was like, um, this podcast that I'm listening to right now describes it as fairy porn. And then the friend said, um, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I cannot take- Or that's I a cannot, really good description. Yeah, of it. yeah. I can't take credit. That was my friend Katrina. Um, that's how she described it to me when yeah. she was pitching it. Um, but I have not started that book yet. I know we said we were going to read it for our book club. Um, 
but that hasn't happened yet. But maybe over maybe over a break. Maybe Did I say that? Break. No, I said that. I said okay, that. I was like, I don't remember agreeing to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I obligated you. I was like, we'll both read it and then we'll talk about it. I mean, I do have um, – I got the book from the library, but I have not read it yet. So. I'll wait for the movie to come out starring like Millie Bobby it, Brown. It is coming out. There is going to be a <laughs> Netflix series. I oh. don't know. Yeah, it's going to be a Netflix series. Let me okay. See. Oh, it's the same person that made the Outlander show that I was talking about. Oh, well, yeah. This is like right in there. <laughs> Like, yeah, right in their uh, their zone. It's like fantastical erotica. <laughs> yeah, like that's another thing that I can't get. I have friends that are obsessed with Outlander, obsessed yeah. with it. And then I was like, I gotta like I've tried it like three times. Like, why does everyone love it? Like, I gotta see what they're what they're seeing. But it's I just because could not get into it. You're repressed. I think that. I think that is it. Maybe I just don't allow myself to time travel. <laughs> you don't have any imagination, Jen. <laughs> no, I'm the same. I remember. I mean, I tried the books. I tried the TV show, and people get into them. People I mean, are very into the TV show. Really into the books. I don't know. Oh, I found an IMDb for the cast of this movie tv show um okay there's some people i don't know millie brady very close to millie bobby brown but yeah the same thing at all ian summerholder you know who that guy is liam hemsworth we know who he is okay okay hubba hubba these are some (laughs) people i might watch l fanning dakota fanning that sounds right okay and girls should totally be in some oh yeah they should be Uh, fairies for sure (laughs) kara Delavine, how do you say her name? Oh, like really yeah. Beautiful. Oh, she is. She's probably yeah. like a dark fairy. Oh, I bet. She's so hot. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, there's a lot of attractive people going into this. Jason Moma. <laughs> Eliza Dushku. Sophie Turner. Wow. Wow. Okay, maybe I like fairies now. Maybe I do. <laughs> All right. We'll give it a shot. We'll give it a okay, shot. We'll give it it'll, a try. It'll be our, our watch. We'll have a watch party. Okay. <laughs> um, you guys are, are we're, we're starting a new podcast and it's about uh, fairies. Just fairies. Just fairies and yeah. porn. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I bet we would get a lot of listeners for that. Um, all right. Well, you guys, okay. let's get into our quickies. Okay, let's do it. This quickie is from the Herald Wig by Steve Iinger, and it combines two things that we love the most. Dumb criminals and a list. Okay. Okay. So this the in the Herald Wig, every so month. So this had to be clear, this has nothing to do with love. This is a Sally special. <laughs> this where is you're gonna make yeah, it make sense. Exactly. These are things okay. that I love. Okay. <laughs> exactly that. There are, there are some couples strewn throughout here, but it's not like not, not everything has to be about romantic love, Jen. I'll accept it. <laughs> Thank I'll you. I'll accept it. Thank you. Um, so every month this columnist writes about the dumbest criminals of the month. And um, here we go. I'm going to tell okay. you all about them. So the honorable mention was a Scottish shoplifter named Aaron Morrison was arrested for stealing a bottle of vodka from a liquor store. And it didn't take long for authorities to find him because 
before he left with the stolen vodka, but after he took it, he asked the clerk out on a date and left her his name and phone number. Oh my God, what a stupid idiot. <laughs> what? They really are the dumbest. Idiot. Oh yeah, but this was only an honorable mention. So um, in a if with the bronze medal, we have uh, in Salinas, California, a security camera picked up 33-year-old Roberto Daniel Arroyo about 5 a.m. licking the doorbell of a random homeowner. The camera showed him licking the doorbell for three hours. Oh, and then my caught God. Him, and then caught him relieving himself in the yard. He was charged with theft, prowling, and other violations. The homeowners, when seeing the recording, cleaned the porch. And bleach the doorknobs. Was he on like ayahuasca or something? He must have been. Can you Im- like what? Like he had to have been on something. Oh, yeah. That's not like a – I mean, three hours is – it's a long time to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, it like gained nat- national attention and inspired the hashtag doorbell liquor. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so wild. <laughs> okay. So the silver – and this is actually the quickie that – the story that brought me to this that I thought was so funny. So, okay, the silver medal was two Arkansas men ended up in the hospital with injuries um, from being shot at while wearing bulletproof vest. Charles Ferris, who is 50 years old, and Christopher Hicks, who's 36, um, when they got to the hospital, told investigators that they were hired for a secret mission and that's that's how they got shot. But then when Ferris's wife showed up at the hospital, she had a very different story to tell. She said that the men had been drinking on Ferris's back porch when they decided to test out their bulletproof vests and oh shoot each God. other. <laughs> their vests worked, but it turns out that bullets still hurt. So Ferris had been shot once in the sternum and Hicks was shot five times in the back. Both men at the hospital were arrested and charged with felony aggravated assault. Before releasing them on bond, the judge issued a no contact order between the men because they thought this was something <laughs> too like too stupid to be friends. <laughs> like you guys, like you guys can't together. sit together in class. <laughs> there is a no man's land between. You're going to disrupt society <laughs> with your stupidity. Oh my god. So uh, actually, on upon further investigation, the charges were dropped against Hicks because it turns out that while he did allow his friend to shoot him, he had refused to return the favor. So Ferris actually shot himself. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So he Hicks said he wasn't concerned for his safety because the gun, he said the gun was a 22 caliber weapon and the vest was steel plated. He said that bullets couldn't penetrate the vest and he knew Ferris, who was a military veteran, was an expert marksman. He said, I've seen him shoot a quarter sized target seven times from 50 yards away. So he said, sure, shoot me in the back five times. Um, He said that Ferris, that he and Ferris had first made up the story about the secret mission at the hospital to try to like keep the police out of the incident, which I imagine actually brought them in. Um, But then when the wife showed up, they had to come clean. So apparently Hicks said, and Ferris both told them that they didn't, that Hicks hadn't, didn't shoot anyone, but the, it still took months before the prosecutors dismissed the case against him. And he said, Hicks said, my name was dragged in the mud. I'm considered King Redneck, which I think is fitting. Yeah. That guy's definitely King Redneck. Definitely King Redneck. So the gold medal of all of the dum-dum criminals was um, Joseph McGinnis, 21, and Tyree McCoy decided to rob a bar in Baltimore. That bar was Monaghan's Pub, 
and it happened to be located across the street from a police station. What the guys didn't know was that on the night they decided to rob Monaghan's pub, they were hosting a retirement party for a local police sergeant, and the place was full of cops. So they entered the bar, they pointed guns at the cashier and demanded money, and then instantly all of these sergeants came out of the like party from the back room and apprehended the would-be thieves. Um, oh my god. Yeah, so they were charged with armed robbery and theft, among other offenses, and are not likely to be involved in any more illegal activity for quite some time. That sounds like something out of a movie. Doesn't it? Like, yeah. Idiots. Like, oh, right god. across from a police station? Don't you think if a bar is across from a police station, like, that's a police hangout? There had to, like, one of them was probably like, guys, that's exactly why we should rob this place. <laughs> Nobody's going to expect it. <laughs> dumb idiots. Oh, dumb idiots. Anyway, we love a dumb criminal, and there was a bunch of them. We sure do. Yep. Um, well, I also have a listicle. Ooh. A list. Everybody loves a, a listicle. Totally different kind. It's a little more serious, actually. Okay. Oh. Um, which is strange because it's from BuzzFeed, which yeah. is not normally very serious. <laughs> serious um, journalism. So this is um, a listicle compiled by uh, Victoria Voluminos. That's a cool name. Um, and it was something that was actually com – she compiled it by something that was on Reddit. Um, but somebody on Reddit asked for couples therapists to chime in but asked the question, couples therapists, without breaking confidentiality, what are some relationships that instantly set off red flags? And do you try to get them to work it out? Many And then um, many couple therapists came uh, forward and wrote their responses on okay. this thread. I oh, I'm that very really interested. Okay. Yeah. So um, the first one was um, one of the a therapists wrote, any kind of display of humiliating the other person is never a good sign. Mm. Um, yeah. They said this might be an obvious statement, but it's I mean it in a more of a subtle sense. If these behaviors are displayed in sessions, it paints a good picture of how they really are at home. For example, a client would always make comments about his wife and her makeup being messed up or her mispronouncing a word. Instead of politely telling her that her mascara was messed up or letting the mispronunciation go, he would make a point to laugh and correct her in a demeaning way. Even though he was smiling and it came across as harmless, he needed to point out his flaws in front of others um, was an act of humiliation and control. Yeah. Oof. That's like the most yeah. um, awkward thing to witness Yeah, with couples. Mm -hmm. Like when one is like, poking fun at the other in a way that you're just like, oh, that's not funny. Like the other person is not enjoying this and it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I hate that when you, someone makes fun of you all the time, but then uh -huh. acts like, uh, what? We're just having fun. You could do it. It's like, is comedian. it fun? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this funny? Anyway. Like, what's um, mean? Yeah. Um, uh, you crowed. 080 responded, overbearing parents and in-laws. When a spouse, spouse is more allied with their parents and calls them on speakerphone for fights, or when a spouse often speaks ill of their partner to their parents, I usually see these couples stay very unhappily married for years. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah. Right? When you're like, oh, you're not on my team. 
yeah you're on your parents team yeah Mm -hmm. and they have a need to be in the middle of our relationship yeah yeah um this next person i love that these are therapists screaming (laughs) like someone that you are paying for life advice (laughs) and they have the screen names like milk steak and jelly bean This one says, uh, when one person is entirely dependent on the other, especially at a relatively young age, I mean, financially mm. and emotionally. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. never good to have it skewed to where one person is totally dependent on the other. No, it's like, yeah. even, I mean, that doesn't mean one person can't be working and the other person can't be like a homemaker. Like that's right. not the same. It's you know, when you, when somebody is like reliant emotionally and all of those things, like, I mean, I know like Ben and I both had times where one of us was working and the other was in school. And so one of us was making the money and, you know, or like when I, when Max was first born, I was stayed home for a little bit. And, but we always viewed all of the money as ours, you know? Like it wasn't like, oh, he's supporting me. It's like, no, we're a team. We're both doing this together. And like, yes, he is technically earning the salary or or at a time when I was technically earning the salary. Like, I don't know. I think a lot of it is uh, how you view it. Yeah. And I think that's the secret, right? Is like, as long as you guys are a team. Yeah. You know, Uh, this one says, um, you quote 080 said, "Um, couples in a tit for tat arrangement. Uh, for example, and I, when I first read this, I thought like, oh yeah, I know what that's like. But when it's like, you went out last night, ah, no, mm. I get to go. But this one, but they mean in a larger sense of like, I cheated. So now you can have a one night to cheat with whomever. Oh. Or like, I violated your trust into drugs. You can go out and do whatever for one night. Uh, that's oh, just yeah, kind that's of weird. Healthy. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, uh, person named you, uh, uh, Lady Letty Liddy said, um, when I see a couple in which one or both of the, let me say this again. When I see a couple in which one or both of the members are seeking to change something fundamental about the other person. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, and then they wanted to say, we process where the need for change comes from and the person with the issue evaluates whether it's a deal breaker for them or not. We work on acceptance and tolerance of others. I also recommend my couples are also an individual therapy on their own, which I do think is important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? It's like because it all comes down to like your own shit. (laughs) Also, you need to see the therapist on your own so you could be like, I'm right, right? 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 Like he's an asshole, right? Like he's obviously full of shit. Like you can tell he's like you're on my side, right? (laughs) Oh, my God. You used to have the best joke about that. I don't know if you still do it. Oh, uh, sometimes, sometimes I do. Yeah. Uh, the joke is basically like, then, you know, I say to the therapist, like, well, we're on my insurance plan. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe you should read that. Now, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so this uh, person, uh, Nemesis, said, um, Uh, When people say that we're staying together for the kids, it leads to an unhealthy Mm -hmm. mindset where couples see the children as a burden and believes that by remaining in an unhealthy relationship, it will somehow make the kids turn out all right. Just let me just tell you from my experience, like 
that's the worst thing that you can do, I think, is to Agreed. stay in a relationship for the kids. I mean, that was my biggest fear. My yeah. biggest fear. I know. Um, with the divorce and like my kids are thriving and they're happy and we're because we're happy. Yeah. And it, and they pick up on your emotions and they pick up on the frustrations and they pick up on all that. And like it really was like shocking almost to see like how they were like, okay. And I was like, yeah. really? You're not even <laughs> quite a little. <laughs> No, no, no. There was definitely tears, and it was right. it wasn't the easiest thing in the world for sure. But like in the long run, I just feel like everybody's so much better off and so much happier. So, it's all just like you can't imagine yeah. it because you haven't been there yet. And I remember you saying to me, and we can cut this out if you don't want me to say this, but I remember you saying to me like watching your kids how they got like how they navigated COVID and how they were so strong and flexible and just like we're okay. And that was like such an unimaginable situation for you. Yeah. Like made you feel like, oh, my kids are stronger than I'm giving them credit for. Like they are more resilient and they are going to be okay as long as we are there supporting them and yeah. letting them know that they're safe and okay, which you yeah. guys have done beautifully. So. Thank you. Yeah. I yeah. used to say like, if, if, if someone came to me before the pandemic mm-hmm. and said like, what if I told you you could prevent your kids from living through a pandemic and being scared and watching people around them die and watch all this sickness and pain mm-hmm. and fear? What if I told you that you can prevent all of this by like chopping off your right arm? Would you chop off your right arm? I'd be like, yes. Yeah, of course. Take yeah. my fucking arm. I never want my kids to go through that. But they went through it and they were perfectly th- – they're fine and they're resilient and they got through it. And, um, and then that was, that was such a, yeah, that was such an eye opener for me. It's like, if they can handle this, they can handle this other thing. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think I told you that I was like, you know, my parents were divorced and they, they totally should have been, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. they were wonderful parents when they were together, but they weren't happy as a a couple, you know? Mm -hmm. And so seeing them become, the people that they became after they got divorced is like it it is like blows my mind to even think of them together in the as those people later in life. I'm like, oh, they were able to like really become themselves out yeah. of this marriage. Yeah. And like which I and I'm like, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm scared. I mean everybody's scarred in some way. You know, it's like everybody's fucked up in some way. <laughs> like, yeah. But divorce should you should not get divorced because of that. Exactly. Um, you guys just all of you just get a divorce. That's kind of what Jen's listicle is about. (laughs) You know she is an evangelist for divorce. No, this is what's so funny. So number seven um is uh by Hyujical um said number seven is people who approach therapy with the idea that they must convince the therapist that they're right and their partner is wrong. My joke was a huge red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I should have seen that coming. (laughs) How else am I supposed to know if I'm right? Right? Um, (laughs) This person, um, Tired Mold, said, one of the biggest red flags I see when working with a new couple is when they've totally forgotten the good. Part of relationship therapy is reconnecting a couple with what they like about each other, with what initially attracted them to each other, and what the positives are between them. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one, 
three rotten branches said um, <laughs> contempt when I experience true contempt from one mm. in the relationship, I know it's usually over. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of goes. Yeah. That's like kind of goes with the somebody who picks at their spouse in like a really mean way that they're yeah. pretending like they're joking, but they're not. Yeah. 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 This person, Jay Boam, wrote, it's not bomb. It's B-U-A-M. Jay Boam. Okay. okay. <laughs> this one says, uh, boundary violations. Testing boundaries a little bit is okay, but repeatedly violating boundaries is a big red flag. Folks, knowing your boundaries and knowing how to set them and knowing how to maintain them are so very important to your own personal well-being. Also, learn how to respect other people's boundaries. Boundaries don't have to be permanent. They can change, but they can change because someone has earned it or lost it. Mm. I think that is so important. And as yeah. a, now as like a, as an elder millennial, somebody called me an el- Somebody called me. Yeah, I am an elder millennial. Oh, and I'm a young Gen X. Mm-hmm. Somebody called <laughs> I, so that's me why an we're elder so comic. An elder comic? Yeah, they called, called like you that? like me and we were in the green room and somebody uh-huh. called like me and Ian and Paul elder comics and I was like, I'll <laughs> kill you. <laughs> anyway, um, but if I, like as I'm older, I totally uh, that's just something we never discussed way back. No. Like we didn't talk about boundaries. We no, didn't talk about setting think- them and keeping them. This is like a new buzzword and I'm loving it. I don't think it. I heard about boundaries and that I was supposed to have them until yeah. I was like in my 30s. Like yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. And like you know, yeah. people are so good at that. They're like, no, I just had to have my boundaries. I'm like, you have boundaries with your parents? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that is with your friends? No way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Get out of here. At I work? No, I can't even have them. <laughs> What are these boundaries you speak of? Um, This one, whose name is Psycho Philosopher, wrote, um, (laughs) constant needless escalation. When Mm. um, I don't think we need this expensive thing is escalated to you don't really love me, major problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see – I mean, I see that a lot. I I hear that a lot from – it's like when – People who are not, you know, not in good relationships. It's like little things because so much has been left unresolved. Mm-hmm. Like little things get escalated because there's not just about the, you know, not putting the toilet seat down. It's about the right. other things that came along with it. Oh, I was so – I will take responsibility. I was so guilty of that. Yeah. I was so guilty of it. Everything meant like, yeah, it was like you just – you like didn't open the like you left the door locked for me because you didn't want me to be in the house because you hate my guts like you know what I mean? like, <laughs> right I, everything I, we were just to a point where everything was like yeah so much bigger in my mind because I just saw everything as a microaggression right you know what I mean yeah 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 which is not healthy um but so I take full responsibility for that um. But um, Matt Rock J said, um, active independence from each other is my number one sign of this marriage is about to spiral downward. As what soon does as that I, mean? He said, as soon as I realize a couple is doing things separately, like applying for car loans without the other's knowledge or planning oh. personal trips without consulting the other, I know the couple is soon doomed. That makes sense. It sounds that like makes at sense. first yeah. they were saying like, if you go on vacation with your girlfriends, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. shit. 
Ben and I have been doomed from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm like so, you know, actively independent. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't applied for car loans because I don't know how. <laughs> Same. Oh, this is a good one. Um, Nemesis also contributed this. But when one spouse has a close relationship with a member of the opposite sex who doesn't like the other spouse, like, and wrote, the old, they're just a friend. That's always very weird. Yeah. 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 Like if you, if you are friends with someone and you, they don't want to be friends with your spouse, like they don't. Yeah. 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 yeah someone yeah. of the, yeah. So, of the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in a heterosexual relationship. Right. Um, this one says micro-controlling behaviors in a session are red flags. For example, one partner is constantly interrupting or cor- correcting the other person. Example, you're wrong. What really happened was. Mm. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. This yeah. is really a bummer of a listicle, you guys. I mean. I mean, it's a bummer, but it's also maybe it's also affirming. Yeah, it is. Right? Um, <laughs> it depends on the relationship you're in. We're real sorry. If it's a bummer to you. Yeah. Ooh, this is a good one. If a client is in one-on-one therapy and starts doing and feeling better, there's a strong likelihood that their partner will not appreciate the changes and try to get them to either stop therapy or abuse and neg them in order to maintain the previous unhealthy status quo. If the partner who's not in therapy isn't willing to accept changes for the better, this is a big red flag because it means the relationship was based on an unhealthy foundation and likely won't work out. Yeah. Ooh, Ooh, that one is deep. (laughs) Where you're like, oh, my partner doesn't want the best for me. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one. Well, you guys, I know this wasn't a fun quickie, but (laughs) maybe it'll help shed some light on why your marriage is about to fail. (laughs) You know? Maybe it'll Um, help you you realize you you really need to get a divorce. How about uh, okay. you guys, you know, you send us um, like, give us, send us a message. Let us know how many marriages and relationships we broke up. I mean, we just want, we just want to get a is it plus or minus How many two? of you decided to get a divorce after listening to this quickie? Will you just let me know? Thanks. Just let us know. Just let us okay. know. Not that we're going to get any joy out of it. We just like to know how effective we're being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I thought that was really interesting, actually. I, I think that all of those, most of those like really made sense to me. Um, but it's interesting to hear like how they're phrased, you know, it's like when you right. see couples like that, where you're like, I, there's something, I mean, I don't get it. They seem to like pick at each other or they seem like that person doesn't seem to like the other person, but maybe in person they're maybe when they're together, they're happy and it's just how they are. But then usually you find out Chances like, Chances no. are if they're doing that in public. Public, they're, they're doing it in private, right? It's worse in private. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, Okay, well, hey, I have got sorry, I've got an awesome story to like leave us on a happy note. Great. Okay, love this is it. and this is about a grandson's love for his grandma, which we know I love. Um, and also, it has another theme that we always love, which is you can you don't. It's never too late to do something. It's never too late. Like you can always follow your dreams. Okay, so. This is from the Washington Post by our girl, Sydney Page, and from People.com by Rachel DeSantis. Um, Okay, so growing up in Cuba, Angela Alvarez always wanted to be a singer. She first started composing songs at 14. She was like a guitar player. She was a pianist. 
She had this beautiful voice. And so she always sang for her family. But when she graduated from high school, she told her father that she wanted to become a professional musician. And he said, no. He said, you sing for your family, but not for the world. And she said, um, I loved him so much. She said, I loved him so much. I like to be obedient. So, you know, she kind of- Boundaries. (laughs) This was also, this was like in the 1930s, so, or 1940s. So it it was a very long time ago, you know. Yeah. No, Um, I know it makes sense. Yeah. Norms for women were very different. But so, you know, she decided, okay, she was going to listen to her father and she ended up getting married um, at her to her husband Orlando when she was 19 and together they had four children three boys and a girl but then when Fidel Castro came to power in 1959 um, everything in Cuba you know became very strained and so Angela and her husband who was a sugar engineer decided that they were going to try to become refugees and move to the United States. A sugar engineer? I know. I don't know what that is. It sounds like a sandwich artist. <laughs> it sounds like he makes really cool candy is what yeah, I thought. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's like – he's basically – he's he was Cuba's Willy Wonka is – that's yeah, what a sugar yeah, engineer does. Um, so because he was an engineer, he was initially forced to stay, stay in Cuba. And so Angela on her own took her four children – the youngest was four. The oldest was 15. They went to um, the airport, and this was in May of 1962. But officials there, when she got to the airport, wouldn't let her leave the country because they said she had missing paperwork. But they were going to let her kids go. And she had to make this like impossible decision to allow her children to go alone to the United States because she knew if she didn't let them go, they may never get there. So it took a couple months before she was finally granted permission to leave Cuba. Um, And then once she arrived, she didn't, you know, she had no job and her husband wasn't with her. She didn't have any money. And so she wasn't, they wouldn't let her get her kids back because they were like, you have no way to support them. Her kids had already been sent to live in an orphanage in Pueblo, Colorado, Um, and so it took two years of her not being able to see her kids before she finally got a job oh my cleaning. God, two years? Yeah. And so, I mean, poor kids, they didn't even know. Th- I mean, I think she was the whole time trying to get them, but she couldn't get a job in Colorado. So she finally got a job cleaning a bank in Pueblo. She was able to see her kids on the weekend um, while she tried to get enough money to get basically be stable enough to get her kids back. But she would go every weekend. She would go to the orphanage. She would spend time with um, with her children. And she would also invite the other Cuban children who lived there to come and join her family. And she, she said she strived to fill um, her children and the other children's lives with happiness, which she did through music. So she would sing songs that reminded them of home. And she would sing to them these songs that she had written. So finally, in 1966... Um, Orlando, her husband, came to the United States. He got a job, and they eventually settled in Louisiana. They were doing really well until um, 1977, when at age 53, um, Angela's husband died of lung cancer. She also lost another daughter to cancer in 1999. And she says that through all of these challenges she faced, she used music 
to kind of get through it. And so over the over her life, she says she composed about 50 songs. Um, and they all kind of told the story of her life, both the deep sadness and the joy in her life. And she says, music is a language of the soul. Um, but just like her dad had told her, she only ever shared her music with her family and friends. But then about eight years ago, her grandson, um, whose name is Carlos Jose Alvarez, he's a composer. Um, he lives in Los Angeles. He had grown up listening to his grandmother sing at family functions. He actually said that his career as a composer was because of her. So every time he would visit his grandmother, she would grab a guitar, she would sing, um, and so as his grandmother was getting older, she was like almost 90 at this point, he said, you know, I wanted to record her songs because I want her great-grandchildren and her great-great-grandchildren to hear her voice um, and to hear these songs that she wrote. So he brought a microphone to her house uh, eight years ago and asked her to go through all of her music and so that he could record it for her family. So he says that as he was recording these songs that he grew up listening to, he said he learned a lot of information about his grandmother's history that he didn't know, including like her coming to America and kind of the struggle to get her children and her husband's death and her daughter's death, all of those things. Um, and he said, I didn't realize that these songs were like a diary of her life. It all made sense. You can hear the life she has lived in her singing. He said, I got so inspired in that moment. And he told his grandmother that like one day he wanted to make, like actually produce these in a proper recording studio and make a CD. Angela said that that was like, that has been her dream her whole life. So it took a couple years. Carlos said he was really focused on growing his own career. Um, he kind of put like everything, like putting, making his grandmother's album kind of on the back burner. But then in 2016, he told one of his friends about it. And his friend was like, what are you waiting for? Like, she's in her 80s. <laughs> like, are you waiting for her to die? And Carlos said the question knocked him over. So he immediately arranged to fly his grandmother to Los Angeles to record her songs in a professional studio. So, wow. <clears throat> yeah, so he was actually able to get some professional musicians to help her make her record. Um, he said it was actually a pretty easy task because he said once they heard her songs, they were blown away. Um, he said they were like, these are her songs. They sound like classics, but I've never heard them before. So they brought her into the studio. He said she was getting so she was like so lit up by this experience. And she said it was so beautiful for me. So they ended up producing a 15-track album titled Angela Alvarez. Um, and then because just this beautiful experience of recording it and kind of learning about his grandmother's life, he, along with people who the other musicians and some of his close friends who were involved in making the album decided they were going to do a documentary as well. So he said, this is too big just to keep it within the family. So he reached out to Cuban American actor, Andy Garcia Whoa. and Andy Garcia offered to produce and narrate the documentary, which is called Miss Angela. Um, and so it chronicles Angela's life, her love of music and how she finally was able to produce an album uh, 
in her 80s. So both the documentary and the album were released in 2021. And she just is loving every minute. She played her first concert in public on her 91st birthday. <gasps> oh my God. Andy Garcia that. played the drums in like, it was like a huge concert. And then um, Andy Garcia, he encouraged her actually to audition for a role in the 2022 remake of Father and the Bride, which he is starring in. And yeah. she got the part. So now she plays like she's a little part where she sings a song. She plays like the grandmother in that. Um, so now she is oh, an wow. actor. But the big achievement is that she was nominated for a Latin Grammy for oh. Best New Artist. That is so amazing. Oh my yes. God, I love this. So she went to the 2022 Latin Grammys, which was on November 17th. Um, and she said, you know, she's now 95 years old. And she said, the fact that I was nominated for Best New Artic Artist for music that I started writing in the 1940s is just unbelievable. And her grandson said, the idea that at 95 years old, you can still be recognized for what you've done, you've done, that is the gold. We have already won. We've won on every level. But she actually did win the Grammy. <gasps> she made history on Thursday night as the oldest person to win a Latin Grammy. And she said, um, to those who have yet to make their dream come true, know that although life is hard, there's always a way out. And with love and faith, everything can be achieved. She said, I promise you, it's never too late. Oh, my God. Isn't that, that great? Yes. And it's so funny because like like an hour before we started recording, I was Marco Polling with my friend Kristen who, uh, you know, we're in our 40s and she yeah. was talking about like um, – like her and some other parents, because Kristen used to be in a band. Yeah. And, um, and her and some other um, uh, parents from her kid's school are talking about like, you know, starting a band. And I yeah. was like, and yes. so I was like, dude, what if like this is like what gets you like really, this is your big thing. Like what if yeah. this is the thing that like blows you up and you become like a famous rock star at our age or whatever. And, um, but it's, it's see, it's so doable. It is doable. You, it's, there's still so much time to win Grammys and stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that I love is it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So listen, you guys, even if you have to get divorced after listening to Jen's quickie, there's still time to have achieve your dreams and have happiness. Yeah. Go get a divorce <laughs> and then, you know. And then win a Grammy. Get at it. Follow what your are you dreams. waiting for? Exactly. The world is your oyster. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do something dumb and something we love. Let's do it. Okay. I guess I'll go first this week. I'll say for something dumb, um, I'm just going to say my quickie was pretty dumb. That was a pretty dumb quickie. <laughs> it was a real big downer. But what's funny is that it kind of reminds me of uh, there's this new show that just came out on Hulu and it's called Fleischman is in Trouble. And oh, I saw about, I haven't watched it. I guess it was a book that's now yeah. a TV show, but I, there's two episodes that are on, and it was really good. It's about like um, who's Haley Eisenberg? Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he loves being called Haley Eisenberg's brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> is he Haley Eisenberg's brother? Yeah. Huh. Right? I don't know. Google it. Hold on, Google. Google. <laughs> um, but I like um, he plays like a recently divorced 
man, they have two kids. He, and he was married to Claire Danes. They're divorced. And now it's like him getting back out there and living life on the apps and all that stuff. But yeah. there was, it, there's, it's very, some of it's super relatable. And so it's funny because it reminds me of like the quickie I just did. Yeah. Um, but there's, um, there was one part in particular of the show that I found so relatable, which was um, that um, like right after he gets divorced, like he talked, uh, everyone just is always asking him a million questions, like all of their friends and mutual friends. And the questions are always like, yeah, but you guys like went out on dates and stuff, right? Like, but you, we, we went on like vacations, but you didn't fight like all the, like, and it, it's really just, they're asking because they're trying yeah. to figure out if their relationship is right, right. You know what I mean? So I just thought that was funny, but the show's really good. Um, but so I would recommend that movie. So that's just something that I love. I also wanted to say there's another show on Hulu called Reboot that I've been watching and, um, it's directed by Carrie Brownstein. Um, uh, Rachel Bloom is in it. And, yeah. um, and, uh, Johnny Knoxville, Judy Greer, um, Keegan, um, what's his last name? Michael Key. Key and Peele. Mike. Keegan, Michael Key. Yeah, is that it? Is that how yeah. you say? Okay. Um, and it's so funny. It's so funny and so well written. I'm like flying through them. There's so and then Great British Breaking Holiday is back on. There's just too much TV. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much TV. It's raining TV. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's raining TV. <laughs> just perfect. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched any of those, so I have so much to watch. It's yeah, amazing. get in there, man. Um, okay, so my something dumb. This is just silly, but uh, a couple weeks ago, I bought um, this is before, like right before Halloween, I bought apple cider, like you know, raw apple cider, like, <laughs> like apple cider from, vinegar. No, apple cider, but it's like okay. the the raw stuff from like a from a. It was from an actually like an orchard, right? So it's not like it's not processed or anything. Okay. Um, and I was like, great, we're going to have some hot apple cider. And I got home and then I forgot about it. Apparently, when you leave raw apple cider in the car and then we had some like really hot days mm-hmm. that it fermented and it did become apple cider and then it Whoa. exploded oh, into shit. my car. Oh, no. And I can I, – I don't know if you've ever had vinegar – in a like in an enclosed space, it is like the smell was unbearable. Like, and we were like tried everything to get it out. We finally, it's it's better now, but it was like you can still like when you get in the car, you can be like, huh, I have a it's definitely a slight whiff of vinegar. But you had we had to put um, baking soda all over our car and let it sit for like days. We had to it was it was outrageous. Can I just ask you? Did you uh-huh. have to do any of that? That time that I left my prawns <laughs> under your seat. I don't think you did. So maybe it wasn't that big of a deal, Sally. Maybe. Uh, no. You see how mistakes can happen? I do see how mistakes can happen. <laughs> and um, I also, I tried to pitch that to Ben about, well, I was just trying to do a good thing for our family and get us some apple cider. Aw. <laughs> I didn't know that could happen. I didn't uh, know that could happen, but that's uh, well. yeah, that's something everybody should know that that can happen. It just like exploded out of the 
container and it was all over the car. It was crazy. That happened to me this one time um, forever. Like, I mean, I was in my early 20s. This guy brought me a bottle of wine for some reason. Mm. Um, He was trying to win me back. And you Uh guys, that doesn't cut it. So (laughs) uh, he brought me a bottle of wine and I did, I was at work. And so I just put it in my car and I guess it had a wax cork. And it, mm-hmm. um, it, while I was in my uh, at work, the cork like melted, and then red wine exploded all over my car. And I was like, "Nice fucking present! <laughs> <laughs> I will never get back together with you." <laughs> this is all your fault. <laughs> but so that can happen too. So careful for wax corks. Yeah, careful. You just you know take stuff out of your car. That's a good yeah. uh, good note to myself. Yeah. I tend to put stuff in the trunk and forget about it. Um, So that's dumb, uh, but it's getting better. And then the thing that I love is um, I was telling you about this earlier. I am reading this book by a writer named Wendy Ahrens. It's called I Wear Tunics Now. And if you are a woman who is in, I would say, 40 and above, um, or feeling 40 and actually I would I would definitely recommend it for people who are like approaching 30 because I think it is like it is like a good thing to know like we have talked about so much about how like as we're in our 40s like we just don't give a fuck anymore and it's so liberating right it's so liberating to get to that place in your life and I'm like I wish I would have come to that so much earlier yeah. I wasted so much time thinking about what other people thought of me when they yeah. probably weren't thinking about me at all And I just am, you know, it's not like I'm immune to it now. We're in like, especially in our, you know, professions, but um, I'm definitely way less. I definitely care so much less than I used to. And I just, and this book is kind of all about coming to that in middle age and like, um, and she's really funny. She's a humor writer. She writes for McSweeney. So I highly recommend it. It's a super easy read. It's called I Wear Tunics Now and her name is Wendy Ahrens. Awesome. That's what I recommend. I'm definitely going to do that. I'm definitely going to do that. Do it. Um, Well, that's our episode, you guys. I hope that you have amazing holidays. Um, We will see you guys in the new year. Um, We love you so much. You guys, if you want to get in touch, I mean, we're around. I'm not on the social media anymore, but you can definitely email us. Jen will be there. She'll be there answering. She's waiting for you. She wants to know about your divorce. Yeah. Um, you guys, thank you so much for everything. Happy, happiest holidays throughout all of this holiday season. And, um, we wish you nothing but dumb love and, uh, we can't wait to see, talk to you guys again. And like Sally said, we'll be out there. So come find us. Yep. I guess with that, get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, da, dum, da.